Yeah, because I'm introverted as hell anyway, by nature. I like I like being around people. I like companionship. That's one of my favorite things. But at the same time, it's like when I'm around so many people and I'm the center of attention, it make you feel some kind of way. We're rifling through another person's baggage. Emotions. Not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into treacherous seas. Whose only boundaries are that of the human heart. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the, the baggage, baggage claim. We are drinking uh, some kind of tequila abomination today on Baggage Claim, it's which awesome. is a safe place to tell your truth today we have a local area rapper tj so high oh no you ain't coming not easy i do the math that's a hundred i'm keep then i catch you staring at my cut when i'm eating only if your cash on the up at my feet halfway have a shit list i have a shit list of people that i don't want to be bothered with i'm not dealing with because i already know what type of time that they own okay this brings me back to your relationship with social media because the two things that i've noticed about you just being friends with you on facebook and soundcloud following your you know career and your path is that you are either always promoting or there's like some kind of weird clandestine beef happening on your fucking Facebook page. Like, <laughs> I remember one time, I guess you had two girlfriends or something. I've done that a couple and, times. And uh, you were all posting these great Facebook posts about how you live in this idealistic world without jealousy. And then like the next week, you posted a bunch about how like jealousy ruins everything. So it seems that as well as helping you promote yourself, social media has this other side where it seems like you kind of get entangled in your own beef a little bit on there. Yeah, that's that's totally true. Um, people pull a lot of bullshit, and people don't necessarily like being called out on their bullshit. They'll rather ignore it and not have to suffer the consequences of it. But um, my standpoint on it is this. What in the fuck would make you think that I'm going to have to accept my consequences for my bullshit, but you won't? Why should you be given a pass if I can't be given a pass? Especially in the fact of, well, I would have to pay for somebody else's bullshit that I'm not even responsible for. I like to hold people accountable for shit. That seems to be the only way that you can actually confront those types of things and... Either you're going to grow from it, or we're going to say, fuck that. Okay, I don't fuck with you. You don't fuck with me. We're going to separate, and we're not fucking with each other no more. That situation with those two females that you're talking about, same situation. Mm -hmm. I, I started dealing with the both of them separate from each other, but when I started dealing with each of them, they knew about the other female. I'm I'm single. Yeah. So I have no reason to lie about any of this. I don't have a problem with putting it up on the glass about what I'm dealing with. I'm a grown ass man. I don't have to hide my business from anybody. And I'm not ashamed of anything that I do. I, that's why I chose to do it. Yeah. So it's very thoughtful 
thoughtful posts. You, you know? are always, like, your words are always very succinct. And it's like that in your music. It's like that when you're beefing with people on Facebook. It's You choose your words very carefully. Yeah. I have, I have to vent, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to just be reckless and say anything. Even if somebody, even if people don't necessarily agree with what I have to say, I still have to say it. I don't, I don't know. I'm just kind of gifted with my words in that way. You're using your words as weapons. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Stabbing I, people in the eye. <laughs> I'd rather get my message across that way than rather me have to run up on somebody and be like, bitch, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't, don't want to be that That's guy. That's true. That's true. Because I can be that person, but I don't, I don't want to be that person. Like, I don't want to be the guy who fighting people in the street or at the bar somewhere and I end up with a reputation talking about don't book TJ because he'll burn the fucking building down. Just don't push me to that point. FYI. But, yeah, like, I I want to say what I have to say, but in a way to where it conveys my message. Because I don't want to hurt anybody. I just, I need you to understand where I'm coming from. This kind of reminds me, you have that one song, um, I think it's called Rather Not Talk. Yeah. Don't fuck around and get that ass blitz like a shit sweet. And you heard about the meat, or you been now done that. Miss keep it where you keep it. Knowing I already made you famous, looking like what your name is. Oh shit, that was actually a recollection of things that had happened like in, in several different instances. Yeah. Um, what were those first four balls? And I ain't seen since she pulled that bullshit. I spent the night once and she ended up wood whipped. I just ordered a piece of thinking we just cool until she hit me with some shit. I put a fist in her booty. That was a situation that actually happened to me. Did you put a fist in her booty? No. <laughs> no, I didn't. Okay. It's metaphorical fist in the I, booty. <laughs> um, I got a lot of kinks. I like a lot of shit. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of nasty in my ways. But, um... That's kind of extreme to me. If I can put my entire fist in your ass, that takes away a lot of... Like, where do you go from there? You know? <laughs> like, where do you go from there? Like, what... do we just die now? Yeah. Like, what What could I possibly do that would give you some kind of pleasure that I'm sticking a whole bald fist in your ass? Kind of turn her inside out. You know? Like, <laughs> come on. Then you end up prolapsed, and I don't want to see that. Oh, like... yeah. She's got the blossom. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, like, I, you know, I like shit that I like. What do you like? I like, I ain't no fool example. Um, With your dick, not your fist. Yeah. Um, I like bondage a little bit. Okay. It just it just gets to a certain a certain point. Yeah, I um, my interests are kind of vague when you're looking at them, but at the same time, it's like I have a degree with everything. I'm willing to venture off into any lane. This is life. Yeah, this is life. Anything is possible. Anything can happen. Fuck the box that you live in because the box that you live in does not dictate the universe that we all have to share with each other. Just because you believe in walking a certain walk does not necessarily mean that that is the only walk. So I kind of just travel different avenues. I, I, I lived a sheltered life for a long time. I didn't jump out into the streets until I was like 16, 17 years old. I was a green apple. I had to learn a lot of shit by trial by fire because I didn't have mentors and shit. I was the mentor. I just 
kind of just want to fulfill myself with experiences. So I'm not really against anything. I just, I have my limits. I kind of like have my borders with everything. I'm willing to try anything once. It just goes to a certain extent with me. I find that you were talking about, you know, having to be in the same box or walk the same walk as other people. I find that you kind of got to walk a slightly different walk with every partner you have. Otherwise, you're not really listening to them, you know? Right. Exactly. Because you, you can't really put your own standards onto another person and expect that person to want to share their existence with you. That's kind of one-sided. Yeah, but so many people do. So many people, they have, you know, what they're looking for, and they try to make other people fit that. Because they selfish as fuck. Yeah. That's all. they just selfish as fuck. They don't see anything outside of themselves, and they wonder why they always end up with only themselves. That's why. Newsflash. So I actually met you during a writing workshop that was being held at a cigar shop called Smoke and Words. It's now kind of defunct, I guess. I don't know. Shout out to A-Ward. I love you. Um, He actually wants to strike that back up again. But the only reason why it hasn't happened yet since our last class was because, for one, he has a lot of different work projects that he's working on and involved with. He's, he has a situation with his son, you know, shared custody, stuff like that. And he's living in a shed in Atlanta right now. Did you know that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> he, you know, a, you know, A. Ward is the mad scientist, though. Like, nothing comes before his ideas and his work. And I, you know, I'm I'm understanding about that with him. He'll he'll just jump out on a limb and take his chances in the world. He doesn't really care about whatever may be an issue for him on his path or what he might have to go through in order to get his ideas fulfilled. He he's a go getter. He's just gonna go in and make it happen. I think his superpower is kind of this blind arrogance by which he kind of throttles himself into the world. That's true. Um, he called me actually at like fucking midnight a few nights ago. And we talked for the first time in months. We've been mad at each other. I know. Yeah, yeah. But we've been friends for five years. So it's kind of like friends for five years. We've been mad at each other for five months. And he was actually mad at me, which never occurred to me. Because, you know, when you're fighting with someone, you just kind of think about your side of the fight. Oh. So I was actually, really. Actually, I do know about that. Yeah. Yeah, I know about that. So we were mad at each other. <laughs> and then we talked about our feelings about that for the first time. We've never talked about our feelings before, ever. That's not surprising. Because we just talk about the art, like we just talk about the work. You know, in the poetry group, we literally, we just talked about the words. But what was so great about that poetry group was that it was bringing together a lot of different groups. Alfred is like one of those, like, axles and wheels that extend as far as network goes in these different communities. So, like, I've never been in a poetry group that had, like, rappers in it, for example. And I thought that was just so fucking cool. Yeah, it was. I had fun doing that class. It actually made me a better writer. How so? I thought I was good already. But him, it was it was the concept of 
him feeding me a thought and me building off of that thought based on my own. And it it challenged me. It challenged me to speak on things that I wouldn't necessarily want to speak on. So I, I kind of just feel like it made my pen a little stronger. Uh, okay, so I think our first meeting was Alfred went to Dollar Tree and he bought like a bag full of rocks. Rocks. I still got that rock. This rock is your <laughs> own. There is not another rock in the world like it. This is the only rock of its kind and it belongs to you. And we closed our eyes and just felt our rocks at first. Just yeah. felt them, thought about them. And then uh, I don't even remember what we did. We did the rocks. Oh, and then he put pixie sticks in everyone's mouth. So we would also, <laughs> we had the physical sensation of the rocks and then the pixie sticks. And that was kind of like how we pre-gamed for the writing session. That's actually bringing the memory back of what I wrote about that day. Um, I cannot remember exactly what the subject was that he gave us, but I can kind of recall what I wrote about. Not to, not to the T. I can't remember what I said exactly to the T, but it was the gist of it was basically about me pointing out my own depression within myself that a lot of people don't see. Because I kind of, you know, straight face everything most of the time. And these people think I do. But I can see it clearly all over myself. That was kind of heavy for me. Yeah, that does sound heavy. Yeah, it was really heavy. It seems like a lot of the artists that I talk to, and definitely myself, kind of have that. It's like, I was talking to someone about all the shit that I've been getting done this week. And yeah. Basically, the past week, I had to move out of my parents' house, um, fucked up my shit at grad school, I got dumped, um, so it's been a really shitty week, and I kind of went on a crazy bender, mm. but like, I keep making podcasts, and I've just been trying to stay on the grind, like focused on shit, and so a whole bunch of people think that I'm doing like really, really well, and it's like, actually, like I'm kind of only doing well out of spite. For yeah. how horrible I'm doing. I can relate. Totally. I just had to move out of my apartment. I was least was up. My roommates decided that they wanted to go separate ways. And I wasn't necessarily prepared for that move because I invest all of my funds back into my music and my touring. So I tried to move in with an associate of mine. He ended up pulling me into a situation that I had already voiced my opinion that I didn't want to be a part of. That turned into some ugly, ugly shit. So I had to get out of there fast as possible. I'm crashing at another associate's house. They keep reassuring me that I'm good while I'm there. But at the same time... It does not make me feel okay to know that I'm living in somebody else's house and I'm not, like, I don't have a day job. That's how, literally, that's how I feel right now. Like, this, my friend Joe is being the kindest person in the world, letting me stay here until I get some money. And also, like, letting me set up a shitty little studio space here. Um, but it sucks. Like, it's not where I want to be. Right. And I don't want to... I try to be generous with friends, and friends are incredibly generous with me. 
Um, sometimes I don't know if and when I'll be able to pay people back. I share that plight. I do. Because um, I, I do a lot on my own, but at the same time, I still cannot like be inconsiderate to the contributions of others that are given to me in what I do. And I'm I'm prideful. I have to admit that. Like I'm super prideful. I value not having to be the weakest link in the room. So my current situation, it kind of makes me feel some kind of way. And especially when I can look around and see the behaviors of other people in contrast to that. Because a lot of people don't necessarily want to have to deal with you and what you might be dealing with while you're dealing with it. And that can be a struggle all in itself. Yeah, that sort of happened um, when I got dumped. Because, okay, so, and I, I don't want to talk shit about this person at all because I do still have a lot of love for him. Um, but basically, it's like we went through this period where I was helping him kind of make some artistic wins and putting a lot of energy into that because he had put energy into me. Right. And so it was this back and forth thing. But the, tr the trouble with that back and forth thing is that we ended up breaking up right after I had helped him a lot and he had had all his wins. And it was a time when I really had like fucking nothing. And it just kind of got to be like, wow. he didn't have the energy for me anymore. And I understand it. And I understand it a lot more after my midnight conversation with Alfred Ward the other day. Um, I can be really intense. Likewise. So I don't blame him for that, but I mean, it sucks. It just sucks. Like when people don't have time for your shit, right? Cause I make time for a lot of shit. I don't know. I share that sentiment too. I give up a lot of myself to the people that I say that I love and I care about. And it's, it's kind of a character flaw because Sometimes you will look around and you will be expecting to get that same love and that same support back and it's not necessarily there. And then it turns into a thing where you kind of just throwing your baggage onto another person. At least it can be perceived as that. So that's a, that's a struggle that I have with myself. I'm trying to practice boundaries. Boundaries. That brings me to another song you came out with fairly recently. Uh, is it 9117 or 9-11-7? 9-1-1-7. A buck or two can get you a buzz or something. If I flatline, know that we love each other. Ain't no back down, know that we thug and love it. You come through smelling like guns and butter. So a buck or two can get you a buzz. Okay, so that song stood out to me because, well, A, it's got a great hook. It's got really good rapping in addition to having a great hook, which, you know, you don't always see. It seems like you see a lot of artists, especially mainstream, kind of do one or the other. Right. Um, also, it's very vulnerable. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, can you give us some lines from that? Um, 
course, come through smelling like guns and butter. A buck or two can get you a buzz or something. If I flatline, know that we love each other. Ain't no back dying, know that we thug and love it. Third verse, cause it's my favorite. Half sipping on a glass, half empty. Beats when I'm jabbing at the bag, Jack Dempsey. Boxing reference. Please go look up Jack Dempsey. Never heard of him. <laughs> All that dancing around the ring got him dizzy as a bitch. Them hands he have seen break. Back to doing me damn team. Dumping ashes on that ass. Collecting them vaccines again. Mix my drink with 20 ounces. Got some things I need to get off my chest. You need to hit me on my line. They keep saying I'm a nuisance. I'm just fine, but how you is? I keep my face clean, but how many asses have you kissed? I'm a leader in a used wife beater, smoking light green reefer with scotch and a white teacup. My lady friend is white, stop looking. Sure, it bothers my grandma, but fuck it, I overlooked it. Book thick, maybe it was something in the milk back in middle school, cause I remember when she used to look sick. Yeah, I love that song. That's my favorite song right now. Yeah, that was, I've listened to it probably like three times today already. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And y'all can listen to it on SoundCloud. Um, so let's talk about SoundCloud because we are both part of the SoundCloud community. Um, mm -hmm. Although I am a podcast, I use SoundCloud as my main base. That's my official website. I just like the way it works. I like looking at the analytics. I like, you know, like when you post something and it's starting to, to get viewers our listeners at like four in the morning and you can see that happen. Right. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, I've been on SoundCloud for about, ooh, probably about 10 years now. Since, probably since SoundCloud became a thing. Um, I really haven't been as active with it lately though. For the, probably the last three years i've kind of been distant from soundcloud like every now and then i'll come and i'll post something just you know to kind of be active keep it going yeah but i haven't really like interacted with people or anything like i used to would have with it but that's that's really okay i got a couple of gripes i got a couple of gripes he put down his drink so he's serious yeah <laughs> um one this quote on uh, quote unquote term soundcloud rapper yeah you motherfuckers are a problem i need y'all to chill the fuck out just because you can upload some shit does not necessarily mean that you should you saturating the fucking market and it's becoming an issue a lot of people tell me that they don't even see a lot of my shit because Shit is always fucking flooded with a lot of nonsense. That sounds exactly the same as the nonsense that came out just before. So I would like you to take that into consideration. Also, I've just found a lot of other avenues that people gravitate to a little bit more. So I've kind of been experimenting with that a lot lately. Which avenues? Um, Bandcamp is cool. I've noticed something about um, the differences between SoundCloud and Bandcamp. Both of their audiences are totally different from each other. And at first, I looked at it like it was just a stigmatism that was just being placed out. But no, this shit is real. There is an, a whole audience of people who will go and play your music from Bandcamp before they go anywhere else. I don't know why. I, I don't understand it. I thought that this shit was supposed to be about the music, not about an aesthetic. 
Not about clout. Because that's what a lot of this shit looks like. It, it just looks like people just clout chasing and just trying to attach themselves to something that they think makes them look a certain way. So they're more appealing. I'm just trying to get my binges off my upload. She say my mind always missing off of what? Oh, trying to get my business straight and a fish plate. Little lemon on the side, hold up. Is you really on the grind? Grow up. Still sitting on the side, can't hold up. trying to get my binges off my upload. I'm a big Dragon Ball fan. For people who don't know that about me. I grew up on Dragon Ball. Yes, it's corny as fuck. Yes, it's just a bunch of fast ass fight scenes where people are beating the shit out of it. But I fucking love it because there is an actual story that that's built in a fantasy world. It's not supposed to make sense to you. But I'm going off on a tangent with that. Um, There's this thing on YouTube. Well... You have bloggers who, I don't know why the fuck anime has become such a big thing in American culture like it has now, but I know for a fact that most of you motherfuckers don't really like anime like that. You just doing it for that aesthetic reason that I just got through um, describing to you. So, punch yourself in the face for that. Um, They love to make channels about anime now i'm not knocking the hustle because i know that a lot of these guys are you know collecting revenue off of this so get your money by any means i don't want you to starve but it gets to a, a certain point where what if videos shouldn't exist why would you give me a what if scenario that you created out of your head or you saw a fan draw some fan art of a character that they created and you took it and you went and made a 15 minute video about this shit. It's just clickbait. There's nothing actually being said in any of this. It is. And they're kind of writing algorithms. They are. Know? like, And the algorithms are reinforcing this kind of boringness. It is. And oh my God, it's so draining. Just to even think about it is draining. It's like, once again, they flood in the fucking market with a bunch of bullshit that actually holds no substance or any weight. And the things that should be talked about. Now, I, I do come across a few to where it's like, okay, this man actually has some real insight. And he's found a subject within this content that's worth discussing. Um, suggestion. There's a channel called Plague of Gripes, and I, I don't know who the guy is behind the channel, but he has some very insightful things to say, not just about Dragon Ball, but just about different things in general. I actually um performed on a house show a few nights ago for some friends of mine, and I got to show them one of these videos that were released that was released by Plague of Gripes. And the video is basically about the concept of a villain. And it goes into detail about the role that a villain plays in story building. But see, that is content worth looking into. It goes beyond me. a recap and it goes into an analysis. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's no there's no reason why you should be giving me a video. 
I think it's all about critical thinking. It's like, it, did this content require critical thinking or did this content require like some kind of mental algorithmic idea of what is hot right now and what will make you hot right now? I totally like, agree. That's how you end up with like all these people that fucking look the same. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what that is. It's kind of like they just manufacturing some bullshit to just stick to the wall so they can say, hey, somebody come notice me. But was that shit worth noticing? And eight times out of ten, no, that shit was not worth noticing. And it's really forgettable. And, you know, people make a lot of money off of it, but then don't. And I think that's a weird thing that people don't think about. Oh, my God. That's an entirely different subject. That's that's, that's a conversation that's, that people do not want to have. So many people are under the illusion that streaming equals money for them. No, the fuck it doesn't. To my artist, performing artist, streams do not pay you. I have not seen a dime from streaming revenue since 2014. Ever. You know how I eat off of music? Performances. I show up at shows and I show my ass on stage and I continue to get booked for it. People will look at me and put a bullshit stigmatism on me because I don't have 20,000 views on a song or a video. You're not viral or whatever. Well, then why the fuck am I more booked than the people that do? You got people who got a million streams on a fucking song, but they've never been booked for a show in their life. They still doing open mics. But I'm regularly booked at least six shows a month since the past three years. I think a lot of people are sometimes better maybe creators than performers slash creators. But your shows, you, you get pretty crazy on stage. I mean, the only thing that separates me from the next person is practice and preparation and knowing what you want to give to people when you're on that stage. Don't just sit on your ass and not do anything and constantly ask people, hey, man, you want to you want to put me on a show? You want to put me on a show? Then when you get on stage, you just got up there and just held onto a fucking mic and just whispered in behind vocals for 20 minutes. Nobody want to see that shit. So what goes into the preparation for your stage performances? My my preparation pretty much just came from being in the field, trial by fire, because I, I have to admit this. I'm, I'm not the best when it comes to like practicing. I do not have a lot of time in between what I do to actually like practice performances. But the reason why I'm so good at my performances is because I'm constantly booked to be performed. I mean, to perform. So it's kind of like I'm always in that stage element. You're I'm, practicing well while you do. Exactly. I'm constantly on stage. So I'm literally getting my practice when I'm on the job. That's the only thing that would make me different from somebody else. Can you afford to say that you have that kind of experience that warrants you that? And if you do, you also have to think about the actual impact that you have on the crowd that you're performing for. I just had this exact same conversation with two associates of mine on Facebook. Um, one of my guys was like, I know I'm live. I know I'm the truth. 
I'll battle anybody on Facebook Live right now. We can put money up or whatever. I bet I'll eat you. I had to interject. I said, first, you need to stop rapping over your fucking vocals on stage if you want to call yourself the best. Because I don't give a fuck about a freestyle. Anybody can do that. Anybody. Anybody can turn on some music and talk over it. What do you mean by rapping over vocals? You should have a separate mix for your st- for your song going on stage than the song itself. So people are just walking up there with like literally. Exactly. Wow. The same song that they trying to sell you is the same copy of that song that they got on stage with. That's really, really uh, unprofessional. That's cheap. Yeah, it is. And the only reason why it's why it's being looked at the way that it is is because of the impact that it has on the crowd. Some people look at it and say it's lazy. Which in all fairness, I I kind of have to admit that in a way it is lazy. It mm-hmm. is. But you know, um for some people who not used to having to pre- not used to having to perform without a vocal track, I can understand the dependency for it because that's what they used to. So, you know, I can I can I can look at that and say, okay, I, I understand that, you know. So like I'm, if someone's just getting started. Right, right. So I wouldn't necessarily look at them and bash them because they doing that. That's just what you used to, you know what I'm saying? So it would take for that person to be put in that element where it's being enforced on them because that's how it was given to me. I think a lot of people are terrified of having a really awful set, but in my experience with any performance I've done, it's like you have to. You have to go through the different ways that you can fail, the different ways your sound can fail because when we're dealing with this fucking technology, with this sound technology, it's so fucking finicky. Yeah, that's true too. And you've got to be prepared. Like that's how you get knowledge is by having everything fuck up that can fuck up. Right. You got to... um. You got to take them losses in order to know how to win. It's true. I didn't have to take my share of losses. I didn't pay a lot of dues. I didn't have to swallow a lot of shit and take a lot of shit before I before my lessons just stuck with me to say that this is below my standard. So I cannot operate on that frequency. There's only this and above it. And I continue to still go through that to this day. But it's it's mainly because... I'm surrounded by guys who are, I don't necessarily want to call them elitist. That's not the correct word for it. Um, I'd rather say professional. But just because they hold the critiques that they hold don't necessarily mean that they could get on stage and rock the way that somebody who you would look at and be like, oh, man, that's the best show i ever seen in my life. They just giving you opinions. But it's the fact of their opinions that have, you know, influenced me to move and work the way that I do. So I try to be that for other people because that's what made me, me. It was people like Marcel Black or Fat Bastard J. It was really, it was Fat Bastard J that stuck it in my head not to perform over vocals. My first performance in... 
it had been seven years since I had first touched the stage. The first time I had touched the stage was like 2010, going into 2011. Was performing over vocals back then. I didn't know any better. I had never even been to a live show to know what a proper performance had even looked like. I was kind of just in my own little universe, making my music either on a desktop or a laptop, and I just carried it everywhere I went, no matter where I was. I just set it up and make my music, and that was my existence for a long time. It wasn't until Fat Bells and Jay started offering me to come out and do ciphers at art walk events that I started to get my performance experience up. So for my first my first two art walk performances, I rapped over vocals. Not my first one. It was my second one that I did it. My first performance, I actually choked halfway through my verse. Oh I got, no. Yeah. What happened? I I just forgot the words. Yeah. I forgot the words. Or oh, I was living out in Baymanet with an ex-girlfriend at the time. Bless her heart. <laughs> um, FBJ gave me an invite because FBJ was already aware of me and my music, and I was aware of him. So we was like we was like friends, but we had never really been around each other. We just knew each other from online social media. So he started extending the the invites to me, and my first performance on an art walk cipher. I had already like pre-recorded the song like two weeks before that night and was studying it. Because I kind of got into the habit of just writing my material right there when I'm about to record it. I don't like premeditatively write anything anymore. I do everything on the spot. So I pretty much did that exact same thing. So I tried to give myself time to learn it. Because, you know, I was kind of like still green to the stage performance thing. So there was that sense of nervousness that, that was kind of taking me away from stepping up to it the way that I could have. And I got halfway through my verse. I got eight balls in. By the time I got to my ninth ball, I forgot everything. What did you do? I just stopped. You just stopped? Oh, no. I mean, it wasn't like an awkward pause or anything. Yeah. Because, like, I'm still, I'm very charismatic in my in my. So you're character. kind of playing it off. Yeah. But falling apart. <laughs> I, I had to play it off and just kind of laughed about it and, and was like, okay, I'm done. And gave them a smile and just walked away from the microphone. The eight balls that I gave them, they loved. But it bothered me because I choked halfway through. And you know that, even if they don't. Exactly. And it's like, even man, if they, they would have loved this other shit that was coming. Right. Yeah. So for my second Art Walk performance, I ended up doing an over vocal track. Just, you know, for the sake of, I can hear it, and while I'm listening to it, I won't forget it. It's going to stick to my memory. But I started getting the feedback from people in the audience you know how art walk is pretty much everybody is just free game and you know dolphin street is wide the fuck open we're not we're not charging anybody to come and see us rap in the middle of the street it's literally in the middle of the street so anybody passing by us sees us the entire downtown is our audience so i had a few people come back to me after that second performance and tell me that they input and it was the fact that my voice over the mic 
was clashing with the vocal track. And it was taken away from the performance. They could still see that little bit of nervousness in me too. They could tell that I still wasn't used to being up there. But a lot of people were saying to me, they heard what I was saying and they liked it. But it was the fact of my voice clashing over the vocal track that was taking it away from them. I think I did one more art walk cipher before my first like actual booking for a show. My first actual booking was at the Mary Widow on um, Rest in Peace to Self Minus. I also got that through um through LPJ. Cause I, I you know reached out to him and asked him a few questions. So he just pointed me in a direction. I took that direction and I just ran into it. So I got myself booked on one of the um the element hip hop showcases at the Mary Widow when Seth was still here. This was November of 2017. And I performed over my vocals at that show. And I kind of found my footing in my performance by then. So it wasn't like I was still feeling awkward being on stage. It was a more contained environment. So I know that the people that are here are giving their attention to me. So I still felt some kind of way about that. But it was like, you up here already. Swallow that shit, get past that shit. Cause we here now. So what are you going to do? And, you know, I executed my set. But once again, the vocals in behind me took away from the performance. And I knew that that was going to happen. But the only reason why I couldn't like prepare for it beforehand was because the material that I was performing for was from my second album, Grinded. I do not have the original stem materials, track basically track outs. I don't have the track outs from that material to where I could have made a proper performance track. So I was like, fuck it. And I just... Just did it? Yeah, I just did it. Yeah. Just winged You it. have to do so many performances in life that like... I mean, it gets to this point where not everything's going to be perfect, but you do have to get it done. Right. It was one of those situations. So what performances do you have coming up? September the 1st, for Labor Day, Zoom is, is hosting an event with Hood Rat. They trying to get 2,000 people into the building this day. So I'm also on the bill for that, along with my brother, Young Pharaoh, um... A good friend of mine, Angel Heart, her band Tough Cookie, Goodwin Rainer. I love Goodwin. Hey, Goodwin. Um, Outrageous. They on that show. Um, September 6th, I'm at Soul Kitchen with Fat Bouncer J. He and I together make these all we raps. So if you ever heard of us, yeah, that's us. We are those guys. TJ So High plus Fat Bouncer J plus Wrench Mall Productions equals these are we routes. Um, we at Soul Kitchen on September 6th with McNasty and T.I.M. It's T.I.M.'s album release party for his project Dope. So that's going to be fun. Um, September 12th, we're in Fort Walton Beach, Florida at Green Dome Music Hall. I'm always in, in Florida. 
like I, I have at least one green doe show a month. Kind of like me in Dothan. I just did like three shows in Dothan in a month's time. It's crazy. I didn't even realize I was supposed to be doing all of that. <laughs> Dothan, Alabama? Yeah. Is it, Dothan, Alabama a hot place to be right now or something? Um, We trying to make it a hot place to okay. be right now. We trying to make it a hot place to be. Nostalgic, who is here with me now. Um, McNasty, D.Y., and King Wode of the Strangers of Elevated Underground will be on that September 12th show with me at Green Door. Hosted by DJ Ice. Love you, Ice. Um, and September 28th at the Blind Mule with me, Fat Bowser J, McNasty, Zozo Bro. I just did a feature for him. It's wonderful. I love it. And Strangers of Elevated Underground and my guy, Starcoat. Starcoat has actually taken me on tour twice since last fall. So shout out to them. And then you got a show on Athens, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. On October 10th, I'm going to be in Athens, Georgia at um, Caledonia with my guy DK for the village meeting. So that's going to be pretty cool. And one more, and it's a ways away, but just for the sake of you knowing it, November 10th at the Blind Mule, myself, Nostalgic, and the band Sloth Racer. So that's also a thing. I kind of been sitting sitting back and chilling on booking a lot of shows lately. These are all just bookings that I've accepted that have been brought to me. I've um kind of been on the side playing booking agent lately. But I've, I've been trying to take myself out of the spotlight a little bit and like use my abilities for the benefit of other people. I, I don't want to oversaturate the market. People see me so much. It's like they they know me, you know what I mean? So I want to give people the time and the space to actually like miss me, which seems sensible. Yeah, you're creating kind of a demand by limiting the supply. You know? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be a, you know smart about it. And a person for others. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm at my best when I'm working on behalf of other people. Like, I'm good on my own, doing my own thing, but I, I can do a lot more when I'm playing a supporting character for somebody else. So I, I kind of value my time doing that. I think that's how our communities grow. It is. I just kind of... I wish the rest of Mobile could see it that way. The city of Mobile is so used to being impoverished and, and not having anything to where everybody looking at it like it's a dog-eat-dog dog situation. When the truth is, bitch, if we all broke, then how the fuck you gonna take food from somebody who got just as less as you? That, that doesn't make sense to me. Why would I be in com competition with somebody who just as broke as I am? I feel like that's so stupid. Basically, that's losers competing to be the winning loser. <laughs> yeah, it's like like when lobsters are trying to like crawl out of a pot and they step on right? each other. But it's like none of y'all. Where are you going? There's no ocean outside of this fucking pot. Exactly. <laughs> Shout out my nigga Loco. Up in the air, now let me take it out. Uh. 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 He been here for a minute with me now.
so out right now. Uh, come through smelling like guns and butter. A buck or two can get you a buzz or something. If I flatline, know that we love each other. Ain't no back down, know that we thug and love it. Uh, come through smelling like guns and butter. So a buck or two can get you a buzz or something. If I flatline, know that we love each other. So no back down, know that we thug and love it. Uh, uh, bad man stepped down me. Uh, get back to class, you ain't even our knee. Uh, I act an ass, I ain't even out my jeans. Uh, I'm on that ass, ain't leaving without bleed. Uh, you do the math. You ain't coming out either. Uh, I do the math, that's a hundred I'm keep. Uh, then I catch you staring at my cut when I'm eating. Uh, Only if your cash on the up at my feet. Halfway, halfway. So this is a separate podcast from So What Did I Miss? Yes, this is one me and Steven started. It's, we wanted we wanted to do kind of like a love confessional thing. Right. Um, but then the most of the people we've been interviewing lately have been also artists. So we're kind of kind of talking about the artist's life, like what it's actually like being an artist. Um, and you know, sharing these parts of yourself, not sharing these other parts how you balance like we had a guy on here last time who was cancer survivor and a single dad and a comedian and we talked about how he like balanced those elements of his life because it's fucking tough to be a regular person yeah and an artist so that's kind of what we've been focusing on lately it is though it is tough plus what i like about um this new format and dealing with artists is that okay every time i interview someone i get all of their audience listening to my shit Mm -hmm. I get all my audience to listen to their shit and then I get a whole bunch of unrelated mobile stuff like I went on mobile's reddit page (laughs) and was climbing to the top of their reddit page telling them about my podcast because like people people want to believe in mobile art scenes but people are also really fucking negative about it I saw your post about that too yeah what, what did he say exactly he was like what mobile art scene are you talking about uh what board wives, board housewives, and Fairhope <laughs> making arts and crafts at all them at street festivals. I was like, damn, I could see, I could see why somebody would say that, but at the same I time, I could see why I would have said that when I was like, you know, 13 years old, drunk at an art walk, making fun of pelican paintings, exactly. <laughs> but it's like, that's not where shit is right now, exactly, at all. That is the opinion of a person who is not actually involved on the scene, that's an outside looking in perspective. That's like a 10-year-old-ass opinion. Yeah. For somebody who's actually involved in things that go on on the scene in Mobile, they would know better than that. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just looked at it like, oh, that's ignorant. Yeah, I was going to reply to it, <laughs> and then I was just like, nah, like, just let the ignorant turd hang there and get downvoted. Yeah. Because once he actually gets in and he sees that it's a lot deeper than that, then he going to feel stupid anyway. Yeah. That's, that's one of the type of things. Situations like that is... The type of stuff that I'm not even going to speak on. Because it's like it's pointless for me to even share my opinion and my knowledge with you about this. Because you don't have enough knowledge in your own mind to even comprehend what I'm saying. So you have to be exposed to what you don't know first. Before a conversation with me would even go anywhere. Like you literally don't have the, the capacity to get what I'm telling you. 
So you have to see it to believe it. You know, it's basically yeah, it's one of those situations. They'll have to witness an example of it happening in front of them before they can even grasp the concept of it being a thing. That's what's cool about Art Walk is that it exposes people to a really wide variety of shit. Yeah. It's free. It's always at the same time. I've been I've been trying to get people to contribute and be a part of Art Walk for a while now. I, I think people just kind of afraid. People are afraid to put themselves out there. They are, but everyone I know who's afraid, once they do put themselves out there, they're so fucking glad they did. Yeah. You know, like, I, every time a long period of time goes by between me doing, like, poetry live, like, once I do it, I'm like, why haven't I been doing this, like, every fucking week? Like, what am I doing with my life? Anyway, I really hope um, Alfred comes down here and we do another Smoking Words. Oh, yeah. What he was telling me about that. Why it hasn't happened yet. You, you, um, do you know what happened with Smoking Words? Why it ended up ceasing to be a thing? No. Well, what happened was the Cigar Lounge started to impose on his ideas. His original agreement was... You allow us to come into this venue. You give me my creative freedom to host my class the way I see fit. Mm-hmm. They agreed upon that. But, okay, Smoking Word ran for, what, like four months? Four months, five? Yeah, it was like a, it was like a summer, a spring and summer. Mm-hmm. By the time we got halfway through month three... They started to impose themselves onto his creativity with his class. I remember it was really annoying that um, sometimes they would keep like the football game on. Mm-hmm. But there's nobody there to watch the fucking game. Well, there are two guys there. Meanwhile, Alfred's brought out ten people who all like, you know, like took off work or got a babysitter just to be here, you know, and right. shit. So Alfred's bringing in ten people. And you've got these two, like, fat fucks smoking cigars watching football. <laughs> but we have to keep the football game on for them because obviously football trumps art. Obvious, duh. Yeah, that was bullshit. So what did they try to impose on him? Just being, you know, criticizing of us in a lot of ways. Trying to... Like us. For lack of better words, yeah. That's basically what it was. It wasn't necessarily... Nah, honestly, um, it wasn't that... Okay, I can take this off now. <laughs> honestly, it wasn't due to them not liking us. It was more to the effect of we're not spending money at their bar. We're not buying cigars. Basically, um. we're not generating money for them to be able to... S- to justify us being now. I was drinking. I don't know. People would get a hookah. Like, what the fuck do they want from us, you know? They want you to go broke in that bitch. That's what the fuck that was. That's what that was. Yeah. We didn't do anything wrong. We actually were contributing to their business. Because I know for a fact, the simple fact that I'm even here is why other people will come walking through that door. And I end up having to look at them and be like, 
Oh, hey, bro, what's going on? What you doing here? Well, I saw your post about you being in here for your class. Back, come on in. Too many examples of that have happened for them to be able to complain about this. So, me and Alfred both knew exactly what it was. They just price gouging. They just trying to milk money out of us being out. Mm -hmm. They got rid of comedy, didn't they? Yep. Yeah. Got rid of comedy too. That sucks. I I really like that spot because it sort of had this feel. It felt like a church rec center basement. Yeah. You know, it was actually like a pretty good place to get work done. Yeah, it was a, a wonderful environment. I enjoyed the fuck out of doing that class. That's why it hurt me a little bit when we stopped. Because I can't imagine a lot of places that would be as suitable for that. Mm -mm. Like maybe we could do Surtis or something. But I don't know. We'll have to see. I'm trying to drag Alfred's ass back down here. Surtis seem like they so uptight. Yeah. It's like they only welcome into a certain crowd. There's nowhere to smoke weed. Exactly. <laughs> and that's, I'm not cool with that. Like I have to yeah. smoke everywhere I go. I cannot be. <laughs> that cannot be held against me. I'm the we need only, a good parking lot. <laughs> you know, I am the only artist. Well, I can't say that now. But I was the only artist to actually smoke a blunt on stage in the blind mule and not be penalized for it. All Night Company has now taken that from me. That's a whole nother story. But I have to be able to smoke if I'm in that building. I do not give a fuck about your law. I do not give a fuck about that weak ass patrol officer standing over there on that corner. What the fuck he gonna do? He a whole bitch. He ain't gonna do nothing. I'm finna light this fucking blunt. <laughs> I'm finna get high as fuck right here in front of everybody. I'm mellow when I'm high at shows. So being high at shows versus drunk at shows. What's the difference? Actually, I'd rather be drunk at the show. Really? Why? I'd rather be oh, drunk so at the show. Because when I'm high, me in a high mode is me completely chill. Like, completely chill. Nothing bothers me when I'm high. Except for my paranoia. <laughs> <laughs> your paranoia i don't like feeling like i'm being I'm, i feel like i have to worry about something because i got 30 other people surrounding me and i don't know what's going through their head oh it's like an over it's like empathy overload exactly well in, but in contrast to me being drunk all of my inhibitions go completely out of the window i don't give a fuck what type of time you on if you get crazy in this bitch i'm finna burn this motherfucker down and your corpse gonna get found tomorrow morning so you can do whatever the fuck you want to do i'm gonna sit over here and do whatever the fuck i want to do just don't step on my shoes when you do it thank you <laughs> but when i'm high i'm a lot i'm a lot more conscious about that type of stuff Mm -hmm. Even though I'm cool and I'm being laid back, I can't help but think. Weed makes my mind move. It makes all of my thoughts progressive. When I'm when I have alcohol in me, the thought process is not as complicated. Like I'm still thinking. There's not an absence of thought there at all. But when I'm drinking, it's like my thoughts are a lot more straightforward and to the point. Exactly. Yeah. I get to the point. Everyone is a spiral. Yeah. The thought process is so complicated and I have ADHD too. So like my mind will kind of jump in this direction, in that direction, in that direction, in that direction. 
as opposed to me with this cup right now. It's like, <laughs> we don't care. Like, we have full understanding about what's going on. Whatever we may see in our eyesight, whatever we don't see, we're not worried about it. It is what it is. We're just not going to stress it. Full speed ahead. Yeah. Um, okay, what about writing? Writing drunk versus writing high? Writing drunk, my thoughts come out a lot more direct. When I'm writing high, it's pretty much the same thing. I put a lot more thought into what I'm saying. I might sit there and ponder on one bar for 15 minutes. Yeah, just to get like have it like re-going in your head over and over. Exactly. But if I'm drinking, I just kind of say whatever the fuck just comes. More conviction. Yeah. Yeah, basically basically that's it it's a lot less filtered because if i'm putting my real thoughts into it that means that i'm taking the time to be more careful about what i'm saying but if i'm drunk i don't give a fuck what i said that's what the fuck i said and how does that affect you in terms of your rhyming your meter that kind of thing i want to say that it doesn't but it does it does it has a difference um if I feel like I have to put more thought into what I'm saying to deliver it in a certain way, it won't feel as natural. It'll still be my words, but it won't feel as natural. So it, I won't be as comfortable or as fluent in delivering the message. Whereas drunk me, I don't give a fuck about being polite about what I have to say. I'm just yeah. going to say it. It's on you if you choose to understand what I'm saying versus the words that I use to say what I said. Did you hear the words that I used or did you hear the message? But that's actually just me on a regular frequency all the time, though. Like, I don't give a fuck about choice of words. I listen for messages. Your word choice is good, though. Like, I mean you're that's just me taking pride in good grammar yeah <laughs> that's just that's just me on language arts was always my favorite subject in school i value words i like wordplay i like the the use of words subjects and predicates i it's, it's just kind of sentence diagramming is sexy you know people don't fucking realize that but it's like i mean anytime you craft a message like your sentence diagramming you can the way your subject and predicate relate, you can reverse them, right. you can separate them with the clause, and then you've got a fucking, you've got a stanza, and you've got bars, like. Yeah, it does something for me to do that. It's, it's stimulating in a lot of ways. Nothing really stimulates me more than that. I just like wordplay. I like the use of words. I like studying different ways that different people would use their words. I like practicing different forms of ebonics. It's just, I don't know, the, the art of communication. I think like using ebonics and local dialects in your wordplay and sentence diagramming, that's something that's very special and unique to Southern art. Yeah. Um, because it's like, I find in my writing, you know, like instead of making it really obvious that someone's speaking in an accent, quote unquote, it's like there are ways you can tap into how people are talking, like the rhythms of your locality. Yeah. And it's different and it's special. And there are, there, there's a consistency of rules being broken that really constitute their own rules. Exactly. And that's how you can tell when someone's like, like rapping and fake ebonics. Exactly. Because it's like, 
they there's no system. They're just trying to fuck up language. Yeah. So I, you know, I just I like watching people use languages in different ways. So I really don't like have a drawback on words that people would necessarily use to get their message across. Un unless I know that you're using the word and that's not what that word means. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only way. That's when you're a poser. Exactly. You, you will be, you're being a poser. You don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. That's a big turn off to me. Pretty much they just stealing the shit. They just stealing it. They not even showing any kind of appreciation from the sources that they got it from or anything. They just come over here, hear you say some shit. Now they taking this shit and come back over here and using this shit. Don't have any real context or understanding about how they And they do it because they, they want it. to, not because they need to. It's like if you are actually a Southern artist, it's like you have no choice but to like tap into these rhythms, like you have no choice, right? But to be this, and some they'll, sometimes they'll sort of patronize patronize it as being like regional art or whatever. It's funny in writing when they talk about regional writers. Regional writers doesn't mean you're from a region. It means you're from a hillbilly region, or you're from a ghetto region, or you're from yeah. a southern region. That's just and another that's, way of putting you inside of a box. Yeah. I, I literally wake up and have to snap into reality and be like, okay, this is what you are right now. This is what you got to do. Look around the room. Remember where I was before I fell asleep. Now I'm realizing where I am. I have to get up go look in the mirror, examine myself, and tell myself what the fuck I need to do to change anything in that situation that I don't like. I think it's also important to forgive yourself. Yeah, I have a problem with that. I think like people talk a lot about self-love and stuff, but I mean, you, you should self-love to the point you're delusional. You should acknowledge what you are, but you should forgive yourself. And I think if you're taking the time to forgive yourself every day, you are acknowledging your wrongs. Yeah. That's a good way to move past it. Yeah. I I kind of have a problem with that only because I'm I have a very big-ass guilty conscience. Like, if I know that I did some shit that I shouldn't have done, or if I did something that I might have felt like was okay at that moment, and then in hindsight, I can see the effect that it may have had on a place or a person, it eats at me. And it, I kind of, you know, struggle to get past it. But at the same time, I guess... It's like the only reason that I'm really just doing that is because this, the conflict is not being resolved. So it's like I'm going to continue to feel that way until some kind of resolution is met. Until it's resolved. Right. That's sort of what happened um, with the Alfred Ward call that I got. And this is someone that I've made great art with for fucking years. Yeah, he told me all about that situation a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. And then I remember when you wrote me that night, and you was telling me about you dealing with him. Oh yeah, I like was pissed because I didn't know how to talk to him, and so I mean I didn't want to get other people involved in drama, but I just kind of, 
I wanted to put it out there. Yeah, it was okay. You didn't bother me by by inquiring with me about it. I mean, I I guess you pretty much see the same thing that I see. A Ward does not want to be held down by anybody or anything. The only thing that he is going to allow to be something that he has to look back towards is his son. Yeah. That's pretty much it. As far as people or a job or a house, living situation, any of that, none of He's that shit. He's a rolling shit. stone. Exactly. Yeah. He's going to keep pushing all the way. Either you accept him moving on with his plan and, you know, trying to accomplish whatever ideas or goals he has, or... Oh, well, you just going to have to be there and just be upset. That's just kind of how he is. I think he and I just kind of got like caught up in each other's orbit too much. He, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. He actually feels like you was trying to trap him in a relationship with him. I was trying to get clarity, and he wouldn't talk to me about like what. And you, our conversation the other night, that was the first time we have ever talked about our feelings. Yeah. Like he... And we talked about our communication styles. We talked honestly about we both have weird communication styles. I'm very abrasive and direct. And it's not because I'm trying to make something happen. It's because I want to be told in uncertain terms. Like what the conditions are. Like what I can count on you for. I'm like that too though. You know? Because it's like there were times when he and I were giving each other boyfriend-girlfriend energy. Mm-hmm. And that shit's draining. And like I need to know. Yeah. And he was really bad. He was really avoidant in his communication style. Whereas I am overly direct to the point of being abrasive. And like it fell apart. But like I was telling you earlier, it's like at the time I was mad at him. I didn't realize he was mad at me. Like I never. I think I am really good at destroying people. And I don't realize it because I'm used to like being on the defensive. And so if someone comes at me and is giving me shit and wasting, me, my, wasting my time, I'm really good at, with as few words as possible, with even just a look, with a simple interaction, I'm good at making people fucking melt. And I think I get it from my dad, and I think that it's something that I'm not even aware of sometimes. But like sometimes like I'm shooting the shit with someone, and we're kind of like busting each other's balls, and I'll say something that kills them, and I won't even realize that I just did that. Like it's just like a habit because I feel like I have to always be like wielding a sword preemptively, so I don't get fucked with. Uh, yeah, I I relate to that shit all too heavy, all too heavy. Everybody look at me the same way. They all think I'm the monster. I'm just super aggressive all the time, but pretty much it's to the same effect of everything you just said. I just, I like to get straight to the point about shit. I like to know where I stand with people. I don't like having to guess that shit at all. So I have to put everything right here for you to be able to see what's going on with me and how I feel about whatever may be going on in that situation. I need that exact same energy back. Yeah. And it's not. The thing is, it's never going to match. Yeah. Especially if you're a giving person. It's like. Nothing will ever be perfectly matched. And yeah, exactly. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, because that's what makes us individuals. We don't have to see eye to eye and agree and have the same exact sense standpoint on everything. If that was the case, how in the fuck would we be able to help each other grow? 
Uh, and I ain't seen you since you pulled that bullshit I spent the night once and they end up wood with uh, I just ordered a pizza thinking we just cool And then she hit me with some shit, I put a fist in her booty uh, uh, Another bitch, I swear to God, she was sweating Told the bitch don't even call after seven I'm sleep, uh, I'm hoping all dogs go to heaven Cause bitches getting shot down every other second Did it, uh, got to keep my distance from that ass on my main one Might end up trying to pain one Only you to blame for that mean ass Hey, Maker, she gave you, I named her Young Joe Frazier, wait up Don't fuck around and get that ass